Y'all see that, that lane, those lanes there? Some of you may not can see those lanes, but every minute you come to, you come to an intersection, there's a left turn, there's a straight ahead, and there's a right turn. And you have to make a decision before you get there which way you're going to go, right? But if you're in Dallas and you don't know where you're supposed to go, you'll just get one of those lanes and you'll figure it out later. Right? Well, I think that was wrong. Yeah, that lady, GPS lady, just told me I should have recalculating. You know? Sometimes we make, we make bad choices in the lanes that we get in in our life. And so today I'm going to specifically speak to dads, but of course it always applies to everybody. So if you have your Bibles, turn to uh, Luke chapter 15. It's a passage I've preached probably more than any other passage, and I would just, I could preach it every Sunday because it's just an awesome picture of our good, good Father. There's an old legal song they call Life in the Fast Lane. How many of you remember that song? Did you know that's when I quit listening to the Eagles? I'm serious as I can be. I quit listening to the Eagles because of that song. I was listening to it one day on Kixie. I was listening to it at work. And it got to a line and they said GD in the, in the song. First time I'd ever heard that in a song. I called the station. I said, man, this is just not right. This is like during the daytime you're playing a song with defaming my father, my God. And did you know what they did? They edited it out of the song. See, a lot of people don't think if you, your word is, you don't have much power in what you speak. And I call, I call them, and I think they put it back later on because everything got so liberal in our, in our media and in our, in our songs. And that was way before the vulgar stuff came out in mass, which is out there. Now, that was back in the 70s, I suppose. Yeah, I, yeah, I, was, I was still working at Terrell Manufacturing at the time. I li- we could listen to our radios while we worked. And I heard it. But one of the one of the lines in the song says, Life in the fast lane surely makes you lose your mind. Life in the fast lane, everything all the time, blowing and burning, by, blinded by thirst. They didn't see the stop sign. They took a turn for the worse. A lot of people don't see the stop signs. They don't see the lane they're supposed to get in in life. And they make bad choices. Everybody in here has made a bad choice. Or two, or a hundred, or a thousand. You know, look at your neighbor and say, I've made a few bad choices. Don't look at your wife and say that. Man, that, that is not going to work. What do you mean he made a bad choice, baby? <laughs> I can get in trouble when I don't think these things through. Uh, okay, so look at your wife and say, I've made some bad choices, but you weren't one of them. <laughs> yes, we're saved. So in this, in this passage in Luke 15, how many of you have read the story of the prodigal son or the parable of the prodigal son? How many of you have not heard it? Raise your hand. Be honest. Haven't heard it? Okay. That's cool. That's why I don't ever presuppose that everybody knows all this stuff like who Noah was and Moses was. So I try to give you some preemptive stuff. Try to tell you this was Jesus. And he, told, uh, he would try to get points across a lot of times to the, to the different groups that he would speak to. And he would use parables. Just like anybody would tell their kid a story. And uh, like if your kid uh, is saying something and you know that they're lying and then they, they try to trick you and then they try to do it, then you'll tell them the story of the what? The what? No, 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 no. Secular. Crying wolf. Don't cry wolf. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever been told that story by your parents? 
Okay, so Jesus would, he would tell parables to make, uh, help this, the people that he was speaking to understand. And all these parables had life lessons to them. All of them were profound. And in this, in Luke 15, he was talking to, uh, he'd already told a story about the lost coin and the lost sheep. But I want you to understand who he was talking to. Sometimes if you don't look at the context of who he was talking to, you'll miss the whole point. So he was talking to, look at verse 1 in Luke 15. We're just going to read a couple of verses there. Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. So tax collectors and sinners were actually the same. <laughs> okay? But the tax collectors were drawn to Christ, and especially probably because Matthew was in the group. And he, so he's speaking to tax collectors and sinners. But verse 2 says, who, who else he's speaking to? And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So we've got a group of people that are uh, totally opposed to each other. We've got tax collectors, sinners, and you've got your religious folks over there that wear the funny clothes and the funny hats. So you could spot them, you know? So this is who he's addressing. And so look at chapter 15. We're going to begin with Luke uh, 15, 11. I'm going to read the whole story, then we're going to come back and break it down. That way you'll get the whole picture. This is Jesus speaking. Then he, Jesus, said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood, not just to one. And not many days later, the younger son gathered all together, everything he had, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. Now, prodigal is another word for worldly, okay? So in my mind, it's like going to Vegas. But when he had... I know some people go there for the right reasons. But when... That smattering of laughter, hilo, right? Just throw that one in. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and he joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent them into his fields to feed swine. What's another word for swine? Pigs. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose, and he came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, ooh, this is good, his father saw him and had compassion, and he ran, and he fell on his neck, and he kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and in am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. For the son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. They had a party. Now his older son was in the field and he came and he drew near to the house and he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. I always wonder why he just didn't go to the house. There's a reason. And he said to them, him, your brother has come, and he's, because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry, that's the older son, and he would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I've been serving you, I've never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you have never given me a goat, a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. Any whiners in the group? 
But as soon as this son of yours comes, notice you have the language there. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you kill the fatted calf for him. And then the father said, Son, you're always with me. And all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make Mary and be glad. For your brother was dead and is alive. He's alive again and was lost and is found. Now there's a ton of ways you can preach this, but I want to I want to specifically speak to you today about life choices. But see, you can choose you can choose the left. Let's just say the prodigal is going to the left. And let's just say the other son is going to the right. He's he's the legalist. He is the guy that he looks all good on the outside, but he's not so good on the inside. And then the arrow that goes straight, let's just say that represents the Father. Now, the Father in this story is, represents God the Father. And so we're talking about a good, good Father. So you're going to see a beautiful picture of the most, the most descriptive uh, characteristics of our Father in heaven. And we need to hear this this morning because some of you in this room are the prodigals. You're the prodigals today. Some of you in this room are the legalists. And man, you, you, you're all cut and dry and you're the do this and the don't do this guy and you're the one that points the fingers at people and picks out people's sins. You know, you're that person. But some of you are fathers. Some of you are good fathers. But what he's saying here is that we are all, we're all in this thing together. There are, there, are, there are two kinds of people in the world, pretty much. In the, in, in the church, there are pretty much two kinds of people. But we have a father that loves both sides. He doesn't give up on either one of these sons. Now, a lot of people will preach this text, and you can read commentaries. They will preach this as if the prodigal lost his salvation when he left the father. Now, I don't believe that at all, but if you believe that, that's okay. I and mean, we can disagree. But I believe if you're the son of a father and you leave the father, you're still the son of the father. You don't quit being the son because you become prodigal, because you become worldly. And the other son that's the legalist that's out in the field that's working and trying to please his father, he's still the father's son, and nothing can change that. So I believe this is a representative of the church today, of those who have come into the fold and given their lives to Christ, because once you give your life to Christ, the Spirit of Holy, the Holy Spirit comes in and takes up residence in your spirit, man, and you are saved. Now, you may become a prodigal after that, and you may become a legalist after that, but you are still a son of a good, good father. And the thing is, he doesn't want you to stay a prodigal. He doesn't want you to stay a legalist. He wants you to come and be like him. So we're going to look at his nature here this morning. Go back to verse 11. Then he, uh, the, Jesus uh, said to yeah, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that follow me. So he divided to them his livelihood. Now I want to let you know, first and foremost, a good father, our father, loves us so much that he lets us go. Our father loves us so much that he lets us go. I will never forget the day that we said goodbye to Tressie and let her go to UT. And we were like, not really fired up about this. Yeah, I've told you this story before. We drove off crying. Oh, we love her, love her, love her. You know, and we're like, can she make it in the world? And she told us later on that she didn't know what she believed before she went there. There's no telling what she would believe. Because she had been grounded in faith. Our God loves... How many of you, how many of you, you know this? You come to the age that you want to get out of the house. How many of you know that? You remember that? David, you remember that day when you said, Mama, I got to go. Daddy, I got to get out of here. I got my car. I got my keys. I got a girlfriend. I got a job. I'm ready to go. But what if they would have said, David, no, you can't go. You got to live with us for the rest of your life. 
See, well, a lot of us think, well, th that's control. And so many people, they ask me, well, if God's such a good God, I get this all the time as a pastor, if God's such a good God, why does He allow all these bad things to happen? And then I come back to them and I say, listen, do you like your privileges? Do you like to make choices? Or would you like somebody else to make your choices for you? Oh, no, I want to make my own choices. Really? Why do you want to do that? Because I want that freedom to make these choices. Well, listen, that's what your Heavenly Father said. I'm going to give you the choice. Adam, Eve, there's a tree. Don't eat of it. But they made a choice. And they stepped into sin. They stepped into worldly living. So God loves us so much. He says, I'm going to let you go. I'm going to let you go. I'm not going to dictate the choices because he wants us to choose him because we love him. He doesn't want us to choose him because he controls us. Y'all understand that? Because it would be unnatural for us to keep our kids at home until they were 65. Verse 13. And not many days after that, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country. There was his possessions with worldly living or prodigal living. When he had spent all those there, uh, and when he spent all, there was a severe famine in the land and began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him to the fields to feed swine, and would gladly fill the stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. Second thing I want you to see today is be careful who you join yourself to. You know, first of all, we, we, we see the, the scripture says he joined himself to a citizen of that country. That wasn't a good thing for a Jew, because the, the citizen he joined himself to was a Gentile. And they were not even supposed to speak to Gentiles. And guess what? You know, you know where that led to? First of all, he, he joined himself to the world. He stepped out of his father's protection. He stepped out of his father's guidance. And he said, Father, I want my inheritance. Now, it wasn't normal that you would give your inheritance to your child at that time. Usually that meant when the father died that they would divide the, the inheritance. But a lot of people missed this. Then when he said, I want my inheritance, that the father gave it to both sons. He divided it up. And this son says, I'm going to go and do my own thing. How many of you went out and did your own thing when you got out of the house? How many went out and really royally messed up? Come on. Did your parents say, like, like the video a while ago, wasn't that pretty funny? Hey, kids, I hope you can go out and really destroy your life. That's going to be awesome. And God, dads don't say that. That's things dads never say. Don't you think this, this, the father in this story who represents God the Father, when he came to him, he already knew in his heart, man, this, my son, my son, I don't want to let him go, but he, he's, he's asking for it. I've got to let him go. I've got to let him go. And sometimes you've got to let people go. You may have people in your very life right now that you're holding on to so tight that they can't breathe. And you've got to let go of them. You gotta let go of them. But you know why you don't want to let go of them? Because you're afraid of what they'll join themselves to. But I'm telling you, if you try to control that, you will really mess their life up. God loves us enough to let us go. And he also says, Don't join yourself to don't 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 start hanging out with the wrong crowd. Don't join yourself to the world. Be careful what you join yourself to. James 4 says this in verse 4, adults, adulterers and adulteresses. I want you to know who he's talking to here. He's talking to the C-H-U-R-C-H. So a lot of people go, they want to separate these things out of who God's speaking to at this time. Oh, he must be speaking to the good church here, and this must be the lost people, but he's talking to the church here. 
He says, adulterers and adulteresses, do you know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world. Say wants. He says, whoever wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. How many of you, when you left the home, even after you were saved, you knew Jesus Christ, you'd been dunked in some water, you had grown up in the youth group, and when you got your freedom, you went out and you joined yourself to the world. Come on. How many are honest with Okay, you're, you're honest. And you went out and you joined yourself with the world. I want to tell you that that, is a, that that leads to death. That leads to destruction. You take the wrong road and you're going to go off a dead end. You're going to go off a cliff if you leave Christ, if you leave the sinner, if you leave the heart of Christ, if you leave the heart of the Father and begin to try to do your own thing. And so many people want to be a friend of the world and be a friend of Jesus. It's so evident in our culture. It's so evident by what we see. What I, what I, people, you know, just like that song I was listening to that day. And it said GD in the song. And I'm, what am I listening to? And some of you listen to stuff that is garbage. You watch things that are garbage. But you know what? You also want to read the Bible occasionally. And you want to be at church occasionally. And what you've done is you've tried to divide your loyalty. And you can only serve one God, the Bible says. Quit trying to be a friend to the world because the world is not your friend. The world hates you. The world is run by Satan. And Satan has an agenda. It's to kill, steal, and destroy. Isn't that right? That's what it says in my Bible. So, oh, yeah, we want to be a friend of the world. I want to go and do what the world does because it looks so good. Because the world, Satan, always paints a really pretty picture, doesn't he? But you know where you will end up if you follow that direction, if you take that lane change, you will end up feeding the pigs and wishing you could eat what they had. That's what happened to this young man. Verse 17, but when he came to himself, this is such a big, big statement. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and despair and I perish with hunger? When he came to himself, he said, I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Coming to the end of ourselves. How many of you remember the day you came to the end of yourselves? Well, I remember it. I was grabbing a toilet on my knees. Have you ever had the dry heaves? Anybody ever have the dry heaves? Hey, there's a lot of bad people in there. How many of you, how many of you stopped drinking after you had the dry heaves like I did? I, remember, I saw those hands going up and down real fast. Well, I thought it'd be better the next time, Pastor. Isn't that where it, is that how Satan works or what? Oh, those dry heaves, you'll get over them. That's what, the, that's what Satan whispers in your ear. Hey, Harold, that's not a big deal. Yeah, it was a big deal for me. I thought my intestines had come out. That, that, that was the week, the next Sunday I got saved. I really got saved. Shreveport, 1970. Came to the end of myself. How many of you ever woke up from Whatever. You say, God did, I, what in the world was I thinking? Any hands? 
I'm doing a lot of exercises today. What in the world was I thinking? Here's the problem. It was the world that you were thinking. It was the world that you were thinking. And yet, for some reason, we foolishly do it again. And we do it again. And then we call it good. And we call it fun. And we go and throw up. And we have headaches. And we do all this stuff. And we shoot up. And we mess up. And we have a wreck, whatever. And we just do it again. Because Satan says, it's okay. You can conquer that. You can drive while you're drunk. Right. Man. Do you know that this is what the prodigal's listening to this whole time he's going to Vegas? This is going to be good. I got all my money. I got friends. How many even know that when your money runs out, your friends run out? Yeah. I love what Tony Evans said. He says, when we hit rock bottom, Jesus is the rock at the bottom. When we hit rock bottom, Jesus is the rock at the bottom. Some people think you know when somebody else has hit rock bottom. No, you don't. I've talked to guys. They say, Pastor, you think we've hit rock bottom just because we're here? We're in jail? So we can, we can go a lot farther down than this. So never figure out somebody's rock bottom. They'll tell you when they've hit rock bottom. And that's really when they do find Christ. And he's, he turns their life around. Maybe some of you today need to come to the end of yourselves and figure out that you, yourself, and you are not doing such a good job of running your life. But when you come to the end of yourself, guess who's waiting for you? The Father. And he arose, verse 20, he arose and he came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion. And he ran and fell on his neck and he kissed him. And he said, this, and the son, listen, I want us to talk about that first because... I remember the song, When God Ran. That's an old, old song. Anybody remember that song? When God Ran. I thought, what in the world does that title mean? It's about this. See, when you walk away from God, and you've already given your life to Him, but you walk away from Him, and you decide you're going to go ahead and make some of your own decisions, you decide you're going to do your own thing again, you know what I, this picture of our, our Father is? Every day. Where's Harold? And I'm waiting for him to come back. Where's, where's Joe? Where's John? Where's Mary? Where, where? I'm looking for them. I'm, I'm waiting for them. I had this picture of him coming out to the porch every day, wherever he lived back then. He would come out to his porch every day and thinking, is this the day my son's coming home? Because some of you have sons and daughters that need to come home. And a good father and a good mother, you're going to be looking for them. You're going to be praying for them. You're going to be blessing them. You're going to be praying protection over them. Because that's what a good father does. You're going to see, you're going to see the character of a good father here. He ran to his son. I'm thinking, if I'm the son and I've just squandered thousands of dollars, maybe hundreds of thousands, we don't know what his inheritance was. But if I'm the son and I'm, I'm stinking like a pig and I've got my clothes are filthy and I'm finally coming home and I see my dad running after me, I think I might turn and run away. Oh, my dad's going to kill me. <laughs> right? I mean, I'm thinking he, he could have thought that. I don't know. He might have been thinking that. But I think he knew the heart of his father when he came home. I think he had this speech prepared, but deep down he knew his dad loved him. And so he comes and he runs after him. Then, you know what he does? He just, he, he fell he fell on him. I, if I could get somebody to pretend, 
I would jump on you and we could roll on the carpet. Because that's what I think the father did. I think he just jumped. Stinky and all. I think he just, I think he dove on his son and just started kissing him on the neck. Son, I'm so glad you're home. But dad, 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 let me, let me give a speech out first, dad. You did not smell bad, dad. You might not want to hang on to me too close. Let me get my speech out. I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. And before he could even say anything, the father didn't say, Oh, son, I'm so glad you're asking for my forgiveness. This is what you need to do to repent. The father didn't do that. See, some of you are so afraid to repent because you think God is still that mean God that's about to just slap you sideways, slap you into tomorrow because you've been disobedient. And he, what he can't do, he just can't wait for you to come back so he can put his arms around you and roll in the dirt with you and call for the, for the party to start, call for the ring, call for the robe, call for the sandals. And I think all those are significant. You can preach those so, so awesome. But I'm just telling you, we need to see a picture of our Heavenly Father because some of you this morning are prodigals. Some of you have wandered away. You might not have wandered as far as this young man wandered away, but you may have wandered away a little bit. And you need to know that God is not mad at you. He is not waiting to strike you. He loves you. You see, works don't make us worthy. If they did, the father would have said, Son, how much did you spend? Everything? Okay. What did you say you wanted to do? I want to be your... Okay. We're going to set you up on a ledger here, and we're going to start paying you. We're going to start taking out of your check. We're going to garnish your wages until you pay back all the inheritance. You're going to have to work it off, son. See, works-oriented people will do that. He's going to have to work it off. Did he say that? What did he say? Let's have a party. That's what he said. Barbecue. Get the gold cabrito. See? My dad, I'm I, I thinking my dad today, of course. and he, he didn't do any cooking, but he could barbecue. And he liked the barbecue goat. We're probably one of the few people that had cabrito for our wedding reception dinner. My dad loved to cook, man. He'd get out there, no shirt on. Harry, this Harry. Sweating, he'd have, a, he'd have a wash rag out there with some water on and wipe his face. But he'd be out there, and you know what he loved to do? Pour the butter to it and just barbecue that cabrita. And it always tasted good. Y'all hungry? Especially with the hairy part. People that think that work gets them somewhere, I feel sorry for them. Because I know, I know Christians that believe that you keep your salvation as, as long as you're doing good works. And that you've got to stack them up against the bad ones. And it just really works oriented. And the Bible says that we're saved to do good works. I don't negate good works because the Bible says we're supposed to do them. But it's the motive that's the difference. We do them because we love our Father. How many of you got your dad a Father's Day card? Ooh, not enough of you. How many of you did something, are going to do something nice for your dad because it's Father's Day? 
Okay. Is it because if you don't, you'll get in trouble? No. It's because you love your dad, I hope. So because you love your dad, you're going to do some good things for him. Do you remember when you were a kid and you would do something that your dad or your mom didn't ask you to do? And after they got over the shock, listen, after they got over the shock of why did, what did you do? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I didn't do anything wrong. What, what's your report card? No, it's not. I just love you. I just want to do this for you. I want to mow the yard. I want to clean my room, something. Remember, man, you, that, you, you could get anything from them after that. Right? When they finally figured out that you had no motive except that you loved them. Boy, how much you need, son? <laughs> what do you want to meet about? You need a new bicycle? Okay. So. Again, I want you to remember who he's speaking to. Tax collectors, sinners, scribes, and Pharisees. Okay? Here's what he said to Ma- in Matthew 11 to scribes and Pharisees. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for yourselves. See, scribes and Pharisees were the workers. They were the religious duty people. Everything they had to works, 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 works. And Jesus saw that in them and said, man, you just need to rest. You've been laboring too hard. You, your, your religion shouldn't be a labor. Religion should not be a labor. But when it becomes legalistic, it's a labor. How many of you know what it's like to try to do enough good things to please God? It is a task. And to those people that really think that that's the way to get to heaven, I just say to you, say this to you. If that's how we got to heaven, then Jesus died for nothing. If we could do more good works than bad works and get us to heaven, then Jesus didn't need to die, did he? But he had to die because it takes perfection to get to heaven. And every good work that you do and all the bad works you do, that is not perfection. Because some of you got some bad works working for you. All of us do. So we don't have the perfection that's required to get in heaven. So Jesus had to pay the price for us. And he said, you look to me, I'm the one. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You can't get to heaven except through me because I'm perfect. So works just doesn't cut it, church. Verse 22, but the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe, put it on him. Put a ring on his and his hand, sandals on his feet, bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to have a party. This is the attitude of a good father. Psalms 86, 15 says, but you, O Lord, are a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in mercy and truth. Psalm 145, 8 says, The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and great in mercy. Hebrews 12, 6 says, The Lord corrects the people He loves and disciplines those He calls His own. A lot of people go, Well, Pastor, I don't see discipline in this, in this story because I know a good father disciplines those he loves. Well, the discipline was this, letting the son go through what he went through. See, some of us want to rescue our kids out of things. It's going to get real quiet now. We call it enabling them instead of letting them go through some things. And I know there's times to step in. There's times to intervene. Don't get me wrong. But a lot of us like to fix everything for everybody. God the Father, representative in this story, says, Son, I know you're going to go mess up. But when you get, when you finally figure it out and you come to the end of yourself, come home. Just come home. 
I got a place for you. Just come home. The attitude of a good father. A lot of people go, well, you know, God must be such a mean God, and He's not. I love this passage, Matthew 23, and we speak, and he says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. You see what he's thinking? He, he wants to gather you under his wings today. He wants to hold you close today. God's not mad at you. Verse 25. Now his older son was in the field, and he came, and he drew near to the house, and he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant, and he said to him, Your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father, therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. Pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf. I want you to see quickly the attitude of the other son. Remember who Jesus is talking to. Tax collectors and who? Sinners and Pharisees and scribes. He's talking to everybody, basically. All I can say to this is don't be like the other son. Don't be like the other son. See, if you're walking in legalism, and the reason I speak about legalism so much is because it's so prevalent in churches today. So many people are taught this, and become from that comes a critical spirit. Anybody know what a critical spirit is? If you have a critical spirit, man, you need to be prayed for. You need to be delivered of that. I thank God that he delivered me from that. Because I used to, could, I was up there where the best of them could point out everybody's sins and who was going to heaven and who wasn't. Anybody know anybody like that? I was taught that. It was, it was ingrained in me. And I had to, when I finally understood this grace that God has for me, it revolutionized my life. It transformed my mind to where I began to see things in a different way. There's no mention of joy that his brother is home safely. You notice that? You ever get mad when somebody else does something wrong and they, you want to point it out to them? Anybody? There should have been some joy in the brother's life then. When I heard the other day when my brother was getting better after he was diagnosed with cancer, they said he's almost in remission. If the doctor said, I can't tell you, except by a PET scan, but he said, it looks like all the markers show that you're in remission, Roger. I rejoiced with my brother. I rejoiced. My sister had to call me and tell me because she said my brother's too emotional. He couldn't talk. He just told my little sister, and she had to call everybody. But when we have, when we have a brother or a sister... And they fall away like the prodigal did. What is our responsibility as Christians? 
Galatians 6, 1 says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And what is the law of Christ? Love God and love people. Love your neighbor as yourself. He said, when somebody falls, when somebody falters in this body, I'm not going to go after you and condemn you and put my finger in your face and say, what in the world is wrong with you, you idiot? I'm going to say, Jesus still loves you. Come back to the Father. Y'all don't have a clue how many times that Mary Lou and I hear these stories that break our heart, but we don't get mad at them. We sure get mad at the devil. But we know people have battles. I know that some of you have battles. I know some of you this morning are battling for your very life. I know that. We know that. It's heartbreaking when we hear about the prodigals. And if I could, I could start naming them to you. And the other night when I was studying this, God said, Harold, don't forget about so-and-so. Pray for them. Because we saw a young man come out of addiction the most horrible of addictions. We saw God deliver him from that addiction. He became a testimony to God. And then one day we were going somewhere. We went out to eat somewhere. And we were coming down the street. And I thought, well, let's just go check on so-and-so. And we turned down the street. And on the street were, were cop cars everywhere. And men in white suits because they were, they, they were having to go into a meth lab and, and tear it apart. And here we saw our, our young man that we had witnessed to and seen God come into his life sitting on the porch with handcuffs on. We didn't get mad at him. We just began to weep. That's when you take a wrong turn, church. Some of you take some wrong turns. You haven't come back to the Father yet. But you haven't come back because you think he's mad at you, but he's not. Or you think the church people will point your fingers. Listen, if we're pointing fingers at anybody, it's ourselves. There's none of us better than the other in this place or in any other place. And I hope you will never feel that. If you do feel that condemnation, I want you to just give you a heads up that's not from God. It's from the enemy. Because God's calling you. Come home. Come home. Get started again. But God, I've done that three, four, five, six times. I don't care. Keep coming back. Don't give up because we're not going to give up on you. 1 Corinthians 12, 26 says, If one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. That older son should have been grieved over his, son, over his brother being gone. He should have been grieving over him. He should have been the one out on the porch. He should have been the one who said, Dad, I'm going to go look for my brother. But no, 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 no. He's out there working. He says, Father, I've never even disappointed you. Listen, he was so bitter at his father. Can you see the bitterness here? He didn't even want to go to his father. He sent a servant to find out what was going on. Listen to the love of the father. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me. And all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad for your brother was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. I'm going to rejoice that my son is home. And I'm going to rejoice even though you're out in the field and you think you've got to work so hard to please me. I want you to come to the party. 
this whole parable, the first two parables before this were about when how God rejoices, the angels rejoice when one sinner repents. That's why I love it when somebody gets in that water. That is a picture of repentance. I love it when people come and they fill out their card and they pray with somebody and say, I've given my life to Jesus Christ today. They've changed lanes. They've gotten to the lane where the father is driving the car. The legalist, he goes his way. The prodigal goes his way. Listen, God wants us to go his way. We serve a good, good father. And he's extending his love to you this morning. I don't know which side of the lanes, which, which side you're driving on today, but God does. Just like the Father said, Son, everything I've got yours. That's what the Father says to us. Everything I've got yours, Harold. He's, he's, he says in His Word, He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing. He is for us. He's not against us. He's Listen. He loves you the way you are, but He doesn't want you to stay the way you are. Pride will keep you from getting back. Self-righteousness will keep you from getting back. But God says, let those go today. Submit to me, yield to me, surrender to me. And become that good son, that good father, that good daughter, that good mother that I've called you to be. Come home. Would you all stand? The Bible says that it's the goodness of God that leads to what? Repentance. It's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. So we can have the ministry team come and get in your places this morning. It's going to be a very simple invitation. This message is for everybody here. It's not just for dads, but I want to bless the dads after this. So please... Try to hang in here for a few more minutes. You may be here this morning, and I truly believe that there are some prodigals here this morning. You may have people fooled. You may, you may fool people to think that I'm not in the world, and you're, yet you have more uh, one foot over here more than the other foot in the kingdom, you know? If you're going after the world this morning, this, this message is for you. This message is also for those of you here this morning that you're just trying to work so hard to please God. And he said, you don't have to work. Just come home. Live for me. Do the good works because you love me and not because I'm going to be mad at you if you don't. It's, two, it's a twofold invitation. Maybe you're totally lost. Maybe you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You need to meet the good Father today. You need to have a real, real, really awesome Father's Day when you give your life to the Father. So we just bow your heads and close your eyes. Father, I thank you for, this, for your word today. And I thank you how, for how much you love us. Even when we sometimes don't even love ourselves, you love us. Even when we're in the ditch, you want to pull us out. Even when we walk and wander far away, you call us home. Father, for those that are wandered away today, who are living in a life of legalism or prodigal living, doesn't matter. The days are day to come home. And I pray this in Jesus' name.
Amen. Y'all step out and come. If that's you this morning, if that's you, step out and come. Receive the Father's love this morning. Step out and come. Richard, we don't have any sound up here, bud. Step out and come. Some of you are living in prodigal living. Some of you just got your foot in the world and you feel like, man, there's no way I can get out of this, but God can get you out of it. He wants you to live for Him. So step out and come. We have counselors in the back. We have counselors in the front. Ministry teams that want to pray for you. They love you. They want to pray for you and speak the Father's love over you today. Step out and come. Moms, dads, sons and daughters. Doesn't matter. Don't wait another minute to give your life to Christ. He's calling you. He's calling you home. He's calling you home. He's calling you home. We've seen so many people come into the place of grace here out of the works lifestyle. And they just smile all the time. They didn't know that they didn't know there's anything like this grace. The just the grace of God, the goodness of God that ministers to each and every one of us. If you need, if you have an, a need for healing, have any joints in your body that are painful or you're having a problem with some joints in your body, and a word for those people that come forward so we can pray for you, step out and come. Any joints in your body that are hurting or painful, I'll pray for you this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Teresa go are y'all off for the joint thing okay. yeah. Yeah, y'all move this way this, this young lady doesn't need to walk so far I'll come this way yeah y'all just grab the right here be seated while we're praying up here. The Bible says that we shall lay our hands on the sick and they shall recover. 
Thank you, Father, for your presence to heal today. Bill, why don't you share with some your experiences, what you wanted to share with me this morning. All right. For all of you that don't know me, I'm Bill Pride. Something that I have come to realize, and I've been rather slow with it, but a prayer language. A prayer language I have found out is completely, completely important in your relationship with the Father. There, there's many times when I've been woken up in the middle of the night with shooting pain and I start praying in the Spirit and remarkably that shooting pain is gone. Boom. And I go right back to sleep. If you don't have a prayer language, Come up here and get one. Don't hesitate. Don't think you don't need it. Because it's vitally important. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. We serve an awesome dad, don't we? And the scripture says he's our Abba, our daddy. He's a good dad. Some of you dads here this morning may feel like, man, I haven't been that good father. You just need prayer this morning. Somebody just to pray for you and put their arms around you and speak life over you because God is a God of second chances and third and fourth. If you've not been that good father that you wanted to be, Maybe you didn't have a good example of a father. Today, God would say, today's your day to step into this new fatherhood run by the Holy Spirit, not by yourself anymore. I just invite you to come and let somebody pray with you. You still have people available to pray with you in the back so you can come. Amen. Amen.